gentlemen, this is the Above the Bar podcast, a show about a middle-aged father, current events, and how these things affect my everyday life. Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Above the Bar podcast. We are belling up to the bar again today. It is Wednesday, September 15th. We're belling up to the bar with, uh, we could, she probably have her own like Survivor series, not like WWE Survivor series, WWF Survivor series, better, but like her own Survivor series, her own gig, you know, tagline it you know you can't beat it you know i'll stick around for this the tagline is 38 triple d nobody at the bar is not paying attention to that but it's a journey much tribulation to thriving in all things coming to us and and i didn't even know they had internet in maine you're in maine right you're in maine no i'm in louisiana louisiana oh i thought why did i think you were in maine we have well because i used to live in new hampshire and i actually was in maine last weekend for a wedding that's what it was because I knew we talked about Maine. We have with us Miss Michaela S. Cox, author of Now I See by Michaela S. Cox. Welcome to the bar. Hi, I'm glad to be here. There you go. So <laughs> Michaela's going to talk to us. She's got nine books out as of this moment. She's going to talk to us about what she's been writing about, what's been going on. But as always, before the bar can really open up, the lights can turn on and we can do everything that we're supposed to do. We've got to go ahead and do some housekeeping. As always, if you've got a thing, your thing, like Michaela has her books, maybe she'll send us a sticker for her books. Maybe is there any stickers for your books? Did you make stickers? No. I keep them. You should make a sticker and like for your books. But if you had a, a cause, your thing, we always have our board sticker and a cause. If you have something you believe in, whether it be another podcast, whether it be uh, a cause you're pushing for, whether it be something like breast cancer awareness, whatever it is that you're doing, send me that sticker. Hit me with a direct message. Facebook is the Above the Bar Podcast. Instagram, the Above the Bar Podcast. Or our uh, Twitter is at Above the Bar 4. Send me an email, the Above the Bar Podcast at Gmail. Send that to me. Let me know what you got going on. And we, I'll give you the address where to send it. You read that to me. We'll go ahead and put your sticker up on the bar. I think it's a great thing to get get a little bit of awareness out. Uh, also, if you're listening to the live version of this on Facebook and Twitter, or excuse me, Facebook and YouTube. Fuck, you can't watch it on Twitter. Facebook and YouTube. Take a moment. Make sure you like and subscribe. Make sure you open your phone and whatever type of app you use to listen to podcasts, you put our show on there. So that we can listen to it, you can listen to it on the next day. Because if I don't, did you know, Michaela, that if people make comments while we're live, I read those comments live. Ooh, that's a cool feature. So, so if you send me a comment live and then you put it on here, I will read your comment back so that everyone can hear your comment and everyone knows what you got going on. That being said, the most important part, it, well, I can't say it's the most important part. We have our our sponsor. Media by Dibs. Media by Dibs, your connection for all things media, from logos to marketing campaigns to flyers and more. He's got actual – do you like hockey? I don't like hockey, but he's got hockey jerseys. Do you like hockey? I do basketball. Say basketball. Maybe we can get him to do a basketball jersey, the above-the-bar basketball jersey. I want him to do softball shirts for me. That would be but cool, too. Say it, it's, it's a very bar theme. You know, everybody knows a good bar softball league. Uh, yeah. But is making your ideas – a reality. If you mention belly up to the bar, you're going to get a 10% discount on your, on your media order. He's got shirts. He's got anything you need. And he's going to give you a free consultation on whatever you need. So we've got that. But the last thing, the, you know, now this probably a little bit more important to everybody needs to take a moment and share this podcast to everything that you belong to on Facebook. It doesn't matter who cares. You share it everywhere. And then all those like yard sale sites are going to kick you off. What do you think of that, Michaela? Get kicked off all your yard sale sites. <laughs> there you, you go. Belong, do you belong to a bunch of those Facebook yard sale sites? Not really. 
Now you live in, now before we get into the book, I got to ask you. So you're living in Louisiana. Yes, not my personal preference, but whatever. Why not? <laughs> you're it's it's okay, but the problem is you're about five to seven hours from anywhere decent. Well, most people drive, right? Well, guess what? I don't. So now, hey, tell everybody why you don't drive. Because I'm legally blind. It's not a good idea for anybody, and dang sure for y'all. So <laughs> I have to like fly or have someone take me somewhere. So if I could get in a car in my own right, I whatever, I probably wouldn't care. But I don't. And so that's kind of a thing. And then, like, our politics in Louisiana pretty much suck. But that's a whole nother story. So, Well, now, where are you originally from? I'm a Texas girl. I claim okay. that. Do you, you don't, for, for a, a woman who's legally blind, you don't stay put real well, do you? No. Cause, I mean, because now we were living in New Hampshire. Now you're yeah. in Louisiana, born yeah. in Texas. Where, yeah. where else have we lived? That's pretty much it. Uh, I was in Texas from birth until 88 when I was nine and a half. My family moved here in Louisiana. I lived in Louisiana to 2007 when I moved to New Hampshire. And then I lived in New Hampshire until 2017 until I had to move back to Louisiana. Or as I call it, Louisiana. <laughs> really? You don't like, like, well, I, I'm so, like, I hear you with the, the whole travel thing. But I, I've been to Louisiana. I loved me some Louisiana. Well, you're probably in the South Louisiana part of it and not the Northern boring, very bland. I went, I went to New Orleans. I went to New Orleans. I mean, yeah, I, exactly. That's what everyone thinks of. I don't live there. I live five hours North of it. So, well, you've already got some fans. We got Tim jumped on already. He's nice. he actually who introduced me to dibs. Dibs is definitely branching out, Tim. And it's good to see you back here. He was like the original number one fan. Cool. Uh, Dylan Burchett, who is actually my buddy, Keith, who lives in, uh, Kentucky, who comes on all the time. He's a phenomenal comedian. Make sure you go find Keith Burr comedy. Uh, he says, hey, Michaela. So he's our, so you're already so nine. So let's start well, with nine by the end of this month. It'll, I'm hoping to release on time on September 28th. So I'll be there soon enough. Well, well let's start with the, the 38 triple D. Mm -hmm. Tell everybody what like you and I've talked about. Well, let me tell. Hold on. Before I even get into that story. So everybody who knows me knows I've been podcasting since June of last year. Uh, every week I do this. I have never had somebody reach out to me. I was sitting at my kitchen table and my phone rings with this random number. <laughs> I'm the guy who answers who answers all the calls from the uh, the people who want to give me new new car insurance or renew my <laughs> warranty or whatever it is. I'm yeah. the guy who answers all those calls. Because in the line of work I do, I just don't know who's calling me. Exactly. So and, I have to answer calls. And because there's no long distance anymore, I mean, I still have my New Hampshire number and I live in Louisiana. So so, so you get it. So yeah. my phone rings and it's a New Hampshire phone number. I'm like, who the hell is calling me from New Hampshire? I hear this. Hello, Louisiana. <laughs> I, I hear this twangy voice on the other end go, hey, I want to be on your podcast. I got your message. I'm like, who is my, I'm Michaela. This is my, like, she goes into like, she tells me the whole story and I'm like, okay, sounds good to me. I'm, I'm down with it. I'm shit. Okay. Put it on there. I was following your instructions, by the way, which I did have instructions that said, Hey, for, you know, again, in the line of work I do, I'm always like here, if you want to get a hold of me, this is the number, just call this number, you which know, is what right. I did. I was following your instructions and, and That's she what you asked for when you put it out in the universe. It, and she jumped right on there and I was like, all right. But then again, Michaela is the, the kindest soul. My in my move, I forgot to put it on my calendar and I put everything on my calendar. So I do it. But I do an entire show and I get done the show and I'm sitting here and all of a sudden my phone rings again. Hello. Hey, it's Michaela. Were we supposed to be on tonight? I'm like, oh shit, yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah. Like this whole thing. So this, so folks, we get to be privy to the ninth book because I screwed up. So that's the good thing. So that, that gives me cheers. It always works out. It washes out in the end. It, it absolutely washes out in the end. So, so problems, easy fixes. So tell everybody what 38 triple D is and, and kind of, the the birth of I mean nine books is huge I don't care who you are to to have nine books in you is a pretty major thing so so tell everybody what that what that's about 
a drop in the bucket for when I, I appreciate the kind words, but this is what I do all the time. I was talking to friends and, um, wait a second, find the pause for the word friends. Boyfriend. We oh, started okay. dating recently, but anyway, um, I'm trying to be protective of identities. Don't worry you about say it. He's just a friend. Oh, yeah. Baby. We were talking today and I was like, my brain just added a whole bunch of books on top of the 80 that are already mapped out. So nine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so what's, so what's the basis of all your books then? Um, it's life experience. It's whatever inspires me. It's, I've always written, people ask me all the time, why do you write? Or, you know, how did you start writing? I was like, it's who I am. It's what I do. It's, I'm not thinking about it. I'm obsessing about it. Or if I'm not doing it, I'm thinking about it. And I wrote, I was a weird kid. I wrote my first piece in second grade. I was an editorial on politics. Go figure what the crap. Oh. Um, <laughs> and then I wrote my first poem in fourth grade. Now, obviously what I wrote then is not what I write now, but I've, it's just what I, I hope do. so. Dear Barbie, <laughs> you to meet my friend Ken. He's a hell of a man. Kind of a little plasticky and flat, but he's a hell of a man. There you go. I mean, and, and it look, Dibs is loving you, or uh, Dylan's loving you today. Keith, natural storyteller. She really is. Like, I mean, to have that in your head. So, your first official book comes out. How old are you? I, I was, I started picking with it in high school and I finished it in 04 and life got crazy, you know, no. whatever, different things. And so I finally released it 10 years ago in 2011 and it was um, a collection of poetry. It was entitled Heartfelt Meditation, a collection of poetry inspired by cherished scriptures. And it was about 70 poems that I had picked at for 10 years or eight years. And it ended up being about 320 pages. So anyway. Now, now you kind of brushed over something. I'm not going to let you brush over it. And if it gets to be much, um, I will completely uh, – we'll have to bring Keith on because he actually has a degree in this stuff. But you brushed over it. You said, ah, some life happened. Tell everyone what 38 Triple D, a journey of much tribulation to thriving in all things. Am I saying it right? I am saying it right. Yeah. Um, what does that really mean? It started out from birth. I was born totally blind. Um, actually, I've been disabled my whole entire life. There'll never be a day where I haven't taken a breath or not seen through screwed up eyes. My vision's totally jacked. <laughs> Literally. And then at seven months old, because of my background, I'm a, a woman of faith and, and have been brought up that way. Um, we believe God did a miracle and granted me my sight. So I do see it just happens to be impaired. And somewhere in adulthood or teenagehood it switched to legal blindness and so that was the first one so, wait, wait, so at seven months you could see like just see see i got my vision back at seven months i don't know what the metrics were then but yeah okay. i could finally see even though it was screwed up okay so it was still it was still a little cattywampus back then too no it always has been i mean the I go over the exact details in chapter one of now I see about what exactly the doctors are saying. And they thought I didn't even have an optic nerve, but the problem was it was so pale. They couldn't find the dang thing. So that's the root cause of it is the optic nerve is totally shot and jacked in layman's terms. So, and then you add about five or six other issues to it. <laughs> and if you say it in Southern terms, it's cattywampus. Yeah, that too. See, and I understand that term. Yeah. It'd be screwed up. Mm -hmm. it'd, be, it'd be all messed up but let me tell you now son that that thing is just jacked up cattywampus is yep. gonna be yep. and then you have uh i have astigmatism astigmatism nearsightedness crappy peripheral and crappy depth perception so let's make it really complicated and fun <laughs> so catch was not happening we're not playing catch no uh-uh so now that's that's a the doctors had me excused from a lot of high school PE classes because they were worried about things coming at me outside of my peripheral. And if it was fast and hard, then they were afraid it was going to screw it up more. So I didn't do a lot of stuff in PE. Right. Could not could knock the optical nerve even so, more. Yeah, that makes sense. So they just like, nah, you're going to stay out of that. That's not advisable. <laughs> you might want to stay away from it. So that's so, another reason why I like basketball because that was actually a sport that I could play and follow and actually see the dang ball. And to this day, when I watch basketball, I don't need someone telling me, I mean, I understand football and I understand baseball, but that doesn't mean I know what the crap happened on the field. 
Right, right. You but understand. I can see the ball being ran from one end of the court. So the, I think that's why I like basketball so much. We'll I have to get you into lacrosse. I we'll have to get you into lacrosse. Because <laughs> lacrosse plays are basketball plays. They're oh, the exact okay. same, especially indoor box. So oh. so now we, we graduate from high school. Uh, what's what's the you know what's the next piece to this? I went to college and I did what most people do. You find someone to date in college. I dated him for three years and we, you know, did the proverbial American thing. You graduate from college, you decide you get married and we got married and it lasted for all of three years, almost four years on paper because it was a load of crap. And so it didn't work and he's an ex for a reason and we got divorced. Hence the second D, divorced by 26. That, right, so that was the one. I knew something happened at 26. Okay. Yeah, that so was my divorce. divorced at 26. Mm-hmm. What now? Now we got a third day. Yep. And then in three months after I was divorced, I met chapter two, which was uh, my husband. Uh, and we were together for almost 12 years. And he was the one that passed away in 2017. And so that was the third day of um, death of beloved spouse and thrown into solo motherhood because I had two kids with him. So, yeah. Wow. And they were three and six at the time. Not the youngest, but not the oldest either. Right. And, and too young, you know. Young enough to know something's not right, but not old enough to really be able to comprehend what's changed here. Now, by this point, you're 38 years old. How many books do we have? I hadn't really at that point because the other part of that life journey we were all talking about, I was in grad school from 2000. So after 04, I got divorced and then I had to figure things out. And then I met John in 07 or 05, and then we were dating, and I was working and going to grad school, and then we moved to New Hampshire because of his military career, because he transferred states to from the Louisiana National Guard to New Hampshire National Guard, and then I went to school again, and when I'm in school, I don't do anything else but school because of the vision, because it takes me 10 times longer to do everything, so I don't have time for anything else, and then we had a, our daughter, and then I uh, decided to go to grad school for five years with having an eight-month-old. I don't know if that was intelligent, but it worked out. <laughs> And in the process, I had my son while in grad school and John was in grad school and doing military and work and married and kids and all this stuff. And yeah. And then so how I did all that was, is I would use nap time and night time for grad school work and on the weekends when he wasn't at drill. And so when I got out of grad school and was done writing for all the professors, I was finally able to focus on my writing again and do something with all those ideas that I'd had for five years in grad school. And I had written two, almost done with a third book in New Hampshire that year. And then all hell broke loose in April of 2017 when he passed away. And so then I had to, you know, put the brakes on everything and get our life back together and situated. And then it was in 2018, I was finally able to start writing again. And then I started publishing in 2019, which is when the next, the first book of the last seven came out. Wait a second. So we're not talking like the ninth book that comes out September 28th. Do we have a title? And take a, take a double shot, two breaths, ready, set, go. A continuing journey through motherhood. This is the second one of my motherhood series. Uh, That's a long ass title. (laughs) That's That's why I rattle through them because they're like long. (laughs) So now, now that, so you were 38 in 2017. Yes, okay. almost thirty nine when he passed away. I would have been thirty nine that November, so I was thirty eight when he died. So you didn't, so you didn't make it to thirty nine. You skipped that one. Mm, I wanted to skip. It. My family wouldn't let me. <laughs> it's good to have family around sometimes. So, so wait a sec. So, like the the math just kind of hit me. So in twenty nineteen, you released your first book. Mm-hmm. You've been releasing almost yeah. three books a year. Kind of, yeah. I need to be. I need to release six next year, and I have two more. I have two coming out this fall. Maybe two others if I do the companion books, and six next year plus extra additional projects. I can't just do one thing. <laughs> Good lord! Yeah, that's what I do. It's the way I roll. Holy crap! Here. And you're you're getting a lot of lot of well, I can't say you're getting a lot of love. I'm getting a lot of abuse already. Uh, <laughs> Nate says it's impress impressive that you even understand the way I talk. This is a Baltimore accent, and it's not even a hard one. It's just it's a mid Atlantic. I live up in well, you've lived in New Hampshire. People no. are like, 
So are you like from Georgia or something like that? Like No, not a Georgia accent at all. And it's not even a Texas, Alabama, or Louisiana accent. It's totally different. And first of all, they want to talk about our accents, then you need to listen to their Massachusetts accent. Give me a break. Is that not ridiculous? Yeah, especially the South Bossy one where they put A's where R's are and R's where A's are and not. It's ridiculous. I'm like, how did you get that out of that? Well, here's Sorry the question. If you have any Boston listeners and they're offended, but it's just true. Now, what do you, what comes out of the sink that you put in water? What do you, what do you call it, the stuff that you put into a glass that comes out of the sink? Water. Yeah. So you say it the right way. It's water. <laughs> I say it the same way. But do you? Is it a sink or a zinc? Sink. See, I, I, I have a tendency to try to almost put a Z sound in there. I don't mean to do it, but I do it. I just don't think about it until someone points it out to me. So I don't know. So I, I've told this story a, a bunch, a bunch of times um, that <laughs> I I had a, a, a co-worker many, many moons ago when I was in the Marine Corps and I was getting out of the shower. Thank you for and, your service. Well, thank you. And I, and I was, uh, one second here. So, um, I was getting out of, out of the shower and I was like, Hey man, can you grab my towel for me? <laughs> he goes, what? I said, my <laughs> towel, man, grab my towel. He said, man, say that one more time. I said, grab my towel. He said, bro, this could end up as an ass whooping in a moment. <laughs> Spell it. Um, I said, towel, T O W E L A S S H O L. And he goes, all right, man. Uh, he thought I was saying tail, T-A-I-L. <laughs> no. I was like, nope, not it. So you, at least we speak the same similar languages and we can understand each other. Yes. But you were like, look, like Keith says uh, in Southern, it's, I can't see shit, man. That's uh, <laughs> uh, Tim says, wait, at 735, Sean's bourbon number three, Michaela, his eyes are all cattywampus. Uh <laughs> No, Nathan. I don't know if rugby is the same way or not. He says, correct. Oh, really? 8.35. He's on Louisiana time. And uh, Keith, mm -hmm. again, Bostonian isn't an accent. It's an entire region of people using English language incorrectly. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, that's true. But still, it is an accent. It's Southie Boston. It's such a thing. So, so all the books, are they all um poetry is there yeah. any that i only have that one poetry book and i may do more of that later but i have so much on my plate it's going to be a while but i do strictly nonfiction at this point and at this point i have five series i'm building out right now so now what are they about you have the motherhood series which we've referenced which will be book two and three this fall and, and then are, now, tell, now talk about that for a second don't don't glance over that so talk okay. about motherhood um, it happened when I became a mom because, you know, I was up in New England and New Hampshire, 26 hours away from most of my friends and family. I had a few girlfriends on the East Coast. And even though I was older becoming a mom, I was new to it. And when I say I'm a stay at home mom, I am literally a stay at home mom because guess what? I don't drive. So unless I'm with friends or people to take me places, I go nowhere. So all I had all this time was to think and ponder and like, OK, you know, I'm going through this, you know, whatever all these new things i thought well wait a minute okay half the world approximately is women which means probably most of them are becoming moms at some point so right. i'm not the only one so well hell if i'm going through this maybe they are too so maybe i should write it down and there you go there's book one and book two coming out and then hopefully book three this fall and it's just a progression of what my own journey through my own motherhood has been like and things that i think are conversation pieces or topic of discussions that might be commonality that we're the all us moms could relate to and like oh yeah whatever you know now, now what's been now mother motherhood books uh i've got a another grandchild on the way oh congratulations uh, i think that's number 48 or 72 or something <laughs> i got there's so many of them i couldn't tell you how many <clears throat> there's like maybe i don't my wife will come down and tell me how many it is at some point. There's a lot of them. We're breeders. Um, so how has been the reception? Because I know some people can be really like, don't tell me how to raise, raise my children. I'll, it's like, not about how to raise your kids. It's about this is what I'm experiencing as a new mom okay. and relatable and like just food for thought and consideration. So it's me talking through what I was discovering and what I was learning and just putting it out there and hopefully starting conversations and maybe allowing other moms to 
learn stuff that might help them in their own new journeys. It's not really, you need to be doing this. It's more okay. of actually, you need to be accepting of the fact that the world, you need to go tell them to go screw themselves. And they do tell you how to raise your kids because you're the mom and we need to be comfortable in our own voices and space. And we know our kids better than anybody. So we're going to do the best thing for our kids. And it doesn't matter what everybody else says. I think sometimes the voices of the world drowns out your own voice and you don't learn how to listen to it. Now you're getting some great questions. Now, before I ask them, do you write as fast as you just said that statement? <laughs> I write, write that fast. I, like, let me tell you, and I'm going to let you know, and I'm, right, I'm going to tell you right now, and then this is going to happen, and then we're going to let everybody else know about this happening, and then you're going to have this happen. Do you write as fast as you just said well, that? Well, when I'm in the flow, like <laughs> I was today. The, voice, the man behind I mean, the curtain just said, yes, yes. Exactly I wrote that. about 2,000 words today in about two and a half hours. It was about a chapter and a half today. 2,000 words in how fast? About two, two and a half hours. So now that goes right into uh, Keith's question. He wanted to know when you write, do you sit with a clear objective and an idea of how you're going to get there? Yes. Or do you just sit and be present yeah. with the inspiration? I do get inspired for the ideas and then I plan it out and then I'll work because I have to have a place of organization to start from to at least guide the thoughts. And then it can change. I don't care 10 times over, but I at least have to know where I'm headed. And so I'll sit and write it. And as it's coming, there is this, this discussion amongst fellow writers about do you wait for inspiration or is it more of a disciplined form, which there is something to be said for the need of inspiration, but the stroke of inspiration does not always come when you want it to. So it becomes more of a discipline. So I set out time every day to the best of my ability to start working on whatever project I'm on and know that I have to hit certain points if I want to stay on track to get it out by a certain uh, uh, standpoint time. Now, what's your master's in? Uh, my master's is in political science and American government with a grad certificate in ancient classical history. My BA was sociology with a double minor in English and history. I no. so want to, we could have like 50 podcasts. Yeah. Like there's, mm -hmm. I love ancient history. I'm so, I, uh, you know, my favorite one is though. And I, yeah. some people think I'm, I love ancient Russian history. Oh, that is one I've not been able to explore very much, but I do find it that's probably interesting. And I'm not as familiar with it as I am others. So that's probably why I would find it interesting. Love ancient Russian history. And I've, my degree is in human re, is in human resource management, Okay, which I've often said, I wish I could go back and I would actually get it in theology. Oh, that would be a good one, too, because I've always found that you can gain so much knowledge about communities based on where they praise and how that yeah. community was built. Cause if you look, so you're, um, like well, back Louisiana, to the history, you guys have like a huge Greek up until Orthodox. the Reformation. That's what the whole world did. It was all Catholicism. It was one religion. It was one way until the Reformation. I messed somebody. So not to get into religion for a moment, we're going to stay on the books here in a minute. I've told this story on, on, on the air. I messed up somebody one day by explaining Constantine's Reformation to him. And well, like Constantine the Great that like did okay. Are you talking about like back in the three hundreds when the first ever Christian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what uh, I thought. He did incredible stuff for feathering. Like if it wasn't, there's been a case made in history classes and books that if it wasn't for him, although he wasn't initially a Christian, and there's debate about as to when he professed and all that. That if it wasn't for him, Christianity would have the the direction of Christianity would have gone a totally different direction and may not have been what it was. I, and I've I explained to somebody who was into a very I don't even know how to I, I guess the best way I can describe it I call him a stadium Christian. Mm -hmm. Anytime you go to a church and it has stadium seating, <laughs> like right? so, I grew up Roman Catholic, and then mm -hmm. we sat in pews and and did that yep. whole thing. Uh, we're very athletic, very a lot of kneeling, standing, sitting, very athletic uh, faith. Um, and, and I explained to him, like, yeah, you do know that, like, um, before Constantine, there was like a whole bunch of books, and there was like stuff in there that basically said you don't need to go to church, you could just kind of do your own thing and you know, go stand out in the woods and pray, and you'd be fine. And he was like, What, what? I'm like, well. When two people are gathered in any one place, you can worship. Thank you. And and the building is it makes it worship is the people in the building that's doing the worship. It's Thank you. Happens to be a location where you go to do it. And I messed I messed him so okay so up with this, and he was like, and I was like, oh, 
I should have done that. I really <laughs> Well, if we really want to get into history and debate, I made a case in graduate school when I was doing my grad certificate that we would have never had the Protestant Reformation, or at least it would have been delayed if it wasn't for the Great Schism of 1064, 1054, because that was the first time someone dared to argue and go against the Catholic Church. So it set into motion something that had never been thought of before. So the case could be made, had they not done it, then Martin Luther may not have dared to even ask the questions he asked. But that's a whole nother. We got a whole thing. This is what, well, I think we just set up the next time that somebody's going to be on my show. Okay. I'm done with that. And everyone can have that conversation. Uh, yeah, those are a whole bunch of rabbits. We can go oh, out those holes. Look, I, t I call them left turns. My mm -hmm. show makes hard lefts the entire time. Girl. Girl. Um, Tim says, uh, was the original motivation for writing the books more of the idea of releasing uh, what what was in your head? Like, uh, was it to help others or was the idea that, hey, maybe, you know, you could make some money out of this? Well, I mean, money's always good, but mine's always been, and I would love to make some money now, especially current events since 2017. But um, mine has, and even now it's still first and foremost, I want to share ideas. I want to start conversations. I want to start dialogue. I want to maybe help other people along their way, um, especially with the latest book of Now I See in the Journey. I've been traveling myself for the last four and a half years of maybe helping others along their own journey of tribulation, seeing how I did it, even though my tribulations may be different from someone else's and vice versa, but it's still the same idea. If you want to overcome and achieve things, you still have to do certain things. So, uh, it, It's so like, I wish I could hug you and high five you just at the same time. It's like, <laughs> you know, like we just do, do Yeah. Make it all happen. Uh, and Jeanette, super fan Jeanette. Uh, she says people will respond to your honesty in your triumph and struggle and feel not rather than feel not good enough. So she, I love my Jeanette. Um, yes, Keith, the, the, the Russian oligarch is a whole nother animal. They are, uh, God, they're just an, like, have you ever looked into the, you gotta like, you have this great degree. You have to go look into the Russian oligarch and all these people. And yes, televangelists are out of their mind. <laughs> Keith, like that. I remember, but I had an aunt. Did you ever have like any, like, so this is a very Southern thing. If you're not Southern, this may not make sense to you. But I know in, in my family who my mother's side is from Tennessee, growing mm -hmm. up in Baltimore, you know, they were East Tennessee. Like I have family, like it's the Appalachians. It's not. Oh, yeah. You know, like I know how to say it. Appalachian, yeah. You know, have, did you have any televangelist like relatives that like would sit and watch like – uh, Tammy Faye Baker and Jim. I heard Baker. the names and I remember all that stuff. I heard my dad's dad supposedly used to watch Jimmy Swagger, but then when that all went down and I guess what was it, the 80s, I don't know if he did ever again after that or not. And I don't remember, but I heard he did. I don't know. So I, you got to get in. Like, that's a whole thing. Like, especially <clears throat> if you find out about like Tammy Faye Baker and her yeah. whole deal, like, that was amazing. So we've got all these books now with, uh, <laughs> with with the books themselves is there is there any of them that are like like story stories like hey i created a character and this is their journey yeah. kind of stories any of that not yet. you told that's me that's mainly fiction and that is not my wheelhouse i am smart enough to know where i need to stay and it ain't fiction i respect it and i love it but i can't write it, it my mind doesn't work that way so so all these are based on events feelings you know things that are happening yeah or just my thought process of something i think would be an interesting conversation or dialogue to get people you know thinking about things and just my observations and things i find interesting now out of the out of the, the with the ninth one coming up here with mm -hmm. this super long title it's like the title is a book <laughs> can we work on shortening that title up to check well, this I mean, shit out. Like, we're gonna shorten the title up and just call it check this shit out <laughs> Um, uh, with all these different books have now, obviously the first one, you wanted to get it out 320 pages. It's, it's all poetry that you wrote. You said you, that, you know, years of putting this together. Have you, of your books that, you, that are in your head. And we talked about this beforehand, folks, before the show started, you know, Michaela said that she has 80 books in her head that she wants to, to get out. Mm -hmm. Um, is there one that you're like, 
I need to write this, but I'm not going to. No. So there's none of those books where you're like, there. there's like that, that like uh, Pandora's box book where you're like, I should write this. I have this, but I can't write this. No. Nothing. Nothing. That's wild. So is there one that, uh, that you're like, you haven't written, maybe, maybe this is a better question. So if there's none that you can't write, is there one that you keep kicking down the road to write? Like you're like, Hey, I should write this one, but you just keep kicking the can on it. And you just haven't written it yet. Not really. I mean, I think my own life journey kind of did it by default just because of what was going on after losing my husband and trying to get situated. And I needed time to process before I could put it on paper, but I was ready when I wrote it last year. It was just kind of by default, not me choosing to put it off. It's just the way it went. You know what I mean? Now, from from you know, from all the things that you've gone through, the the whole triple D piece here, um, and that's not diners, drive-ins, and dives, folks. Um, <laughs> that was last week. Uh, from, <laughs> from the whole, it, that's so crazy. We had two two weeks of triple D. And I didn't even think about it. Um, uh, from that whole piece, what has you know, you hear people say it all the time. Oh, this helped me heal. That helped me heal. This helped the healing process. Did you feel like the writing helped the healing process or you had always been a writer? So it was just what you did. Both. It's always what I've done. It's always what I will do, but it does help. I always have found in times of different struggles and um, tribulations and crisis, it can be very cathartic and very helpful. And Jeanette says, is writing a relaxing thing for you or is it something else that you do to, to switch off and relax? Do you know what I mean? Like, so, so like some people might write to relax, but you sound like you have a very distinct process. You have widgets you have to hit. You have processes you need to be yes. in to get it done. Is it but for me, it's not hard work. It's what I love to do. It's like when they say, do what you love and you won't work a day in your life. So it's not hard work for me. It's just what naturally flows. It was stressful when I had to write for professors <laughs> and deadlines and work counts. Yeah. Academia is totally different from creative writing. So that was, but I don't do that anymore. Thank God. <laughs> I'm now, done. Now, have you done anything? I know this might sound like a dickhead thing to say, but have you done anything with your degree? But have you been able to use that in a academic way or a research? I got four of my papers published after grad school academically. And I never thought I wanted to be academically published, but it, it was more of, I was afraid of something I was ignorant of and actually didn't bother me when I did it. And I do think that's going to help me down the road. I had thought I would online teach, but that hasn't worked out. But now since I'm doing a whole series on politics, then I actually have the piece of paper to back me up. So, yeah. Now, now I'm curious, what is this? Cause you kind of mentioned it to me at, as we were getting into this mm -hmm. living in Louisiana, you're like, Louisiana politics sucks. Look, mm -hmm. I, I haven't figured out. I, there's many, so there's many things that I look at and I go, this really doesn't make any sense. And Southern politics is one of those, like, <laughs> this doesn't make any sense, especially like Dixie Kratz and all that bullshit. Um, they're better than the Democrats we got right now. The Dixie uh, Kratz, the Kratz are horrible. Um, so, impressive ones. And if your listeners are offended by that, I apologize, but that's I live I in New York, so who knows what we'll hear. But <laughs> you know, so, so what is your so your books, Keith, see, this is my southern, the southern side of my listening. Um, academia sucks the life out of creative writing. This yes, it does. It's a totally different animal. Absolutely. Amen. Right here. Agree. But now, but, but it should be a t different type of writing. Like mm -hmm. academia writing is like writing a, you know, how to book. Well, you're making a case. You're, you're putting forth an idea, a thesis statement or a thesis proposal, and then you're, your whole purpose is to prove or disprove a hypothesis and make your case for it. It's a totally different animal. Just different all around. All right. Mm -hmm. So, and then <laughs> politics, poly is, is Greek for many ticks, blood sucking parasites. Yes. I can't <laughs> argue with you, Keith. At any, I actually any love minute. it. I enjoy it, which is weird. I know, but I've always been like that, but you'd have to know my mother and I was raised around it. So I learned well. <laughs> now now you, it. you have the, the next series of books. Now, is it the one coming out on the 28th as part of this or the next one you're writing? The one on the 28th is the second book in the Motherhood series. After the Motherhood series, I have one on faith. That series is entitled 
scripture, uh, spirituality scripture in our culture today. I have other books coming out on that one in 2022. The third series was um, Before the Clock Strikes Midnight, which I wrote for my children. It is not children. It's things I want to impart to them and that I think would be helpful for other parents who are thinking about what kind of legacy do we want to leave for our kids and, and um, intentional parenting. Okay, that's three. Well, talk then about I, for a second. I, I got to talk. Hold on. I want to pause you for a second. Cause that's pretty, some pretty deep stuff. So, so get into that for a minute. So your third series of books is things not necessarily for kids to read, but things as a parent to impart. What were you looking to get out of that? I had, it first came to me in 2011 when I was running around with my head chicken with a head cut off. Cause I was a new mom, relatively new mom. My daughter was eight months, almost a year. I was in grad school going, Oh my God, what did I do? I'm either worried about the housework, I'm worried about the paper, or I need to be you know, like all the things, and I had no time, and I was like, I feel like I'm missing stuff, and I don't want to miss out while she's still home with me, you know, and growing up in my home, and then life, and then after John died, my husband, I really felt a strong urgency that it was important that our children, his and mine, um, now my son as well, um, know what their father would want them to take with them on their own life and journey and they're fixing to come through the door. And so um, I feel like I want my kids to read these when they're older, but it also could be helpful for parents because it's what I'm saying to them that you ever want to wonder what I want you to know for when you start your own journey in life. Here's the book. I'm on an interview. So, so, so this, this is, this is kind of, the, the hard stuff it is to, to tell your kids that, you know, now you have an opportunity to kind of say, hey, you know, this this is what I have for you. This is the things I need need you to do in life. Yeah. And the lessons I want you to take with you and then the wisdom I want you to use as you go out on your own journey in life, as you travel through your journey. Well, uh, are the kids back? Are they are they back? Yeah. My son just came in and I wonder where the other two are. They are currently chasing alligators in Louisiana. <laughs> oh, they're not back South yet. That's Louisiana. right. I forgot Tim dropped off. Okay. Yeah, that's South Louisiana. I forgot different people are dropping different people off. Sorry. They, back they, are, currently, they are currently fighting Chupacabra. <laughs> they, they are in the backyard with Chupacabra fighting. That would be Mexico. <laughs> Either, the Chupacabra are everywhere. <laughs> no, Louisiana, we have the Rugaru. See, look at that. I don't even. What the hell is an Uga Uga? South Louisiana. You're yeah. asking the wrong person. See, that's see, that's why I love. Like, you you gotta love the South. Everything's spooky. It's nine thousand degrees. <laughs> like, it's a hundred and fifty percent humidity. Every, yeah. Everything is is spooky. God, like I I so miss the South. That I might get off on a rant for a minute. I miss living in North Carolina. Ooh, North Carolina is nice. Good area. I loved Eastern North Carolina. It was so amazing. The food was right. The people were good. Um, and, and it was like, but it was just during the, the summertime, every day was 30% humidity. Every day. Well, it's not as humidity. 30% chance of rain. The humidity in the Carolinas is not as bad as it is like in Texas and Louisiana and Alabama and Georgia and Mississippi and Florida or whatever. Like the wind, you know, what <laughs> my mind in, in, in Texas was the wind. Yes, depending on where you're at, for sure. I drove cross country along the 10 from mm -hmm. from Florida to uh, doggone Camp Pendleton. And I had a Nissan Frontier at the time. And I had one of the, it wasn't a sunroof, it was the moonroof where you like kind of like pop the piece up. Yep. And, it just, and the wind was so bad that it would blow across the side of my truck and you could hear that thing just trying to pull the latch mm -hmm. up. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm going to blow away here. This is some bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yes, Keith, I can plural anything. Chupacabras. <laughs> Don't worry about that bullshit. So, so the motherhood series, the faith series, the one for my kids, but also to help parents. Then I did one in politics, which actually came out before the, clock strikes midnight which was called we the people are question mark and it's not so much about who's right or who's wrong it's more of let's educate and learn whether you agree or disagree this is what america is supposed to be 
And you need to understand, just like in any game you would play in a sport, you have to know the rules of the game to play it. And if you want to expect it to play well, whether you like the rules or not, it's not the issue, but you need to understand them. And then if you want to go change them, go change them. But you need to know the rules and understand what this is about and what it's supposed to be. So I did that one. I've got to do another one for 2022. And then the last series, newest series, is the one that we were talking about, the Now I See book. <coughs> I'm curious of your political series because you're smart into this stuff. Yeah. You know, now I do have to ask this question. So you took a poli sci degree. Mm -hmm. How many jocks were in that class? I really don't know because when I did my master's, it was all online. So I didn't like go okay. brick and mortar. I did my undergraduate in brick and mortar, but the only way to make life work in graduate school and one and then two kids and husband in grad school and military was to do it online wherever I was at in my house. And I didn't have to go to campus or worry about daycare or driving or any of that crap. Because I always feel like, like poli sci is the uh, the jock degree, like yeah, not necessarily, but it could be. Like it, it's just all <laughs> like any sports movie. They're always like, "What's your degree in?" It's poli sci. <laughs> poli sci. Like that's the like the one jock degree is the poli sci degree. Uh, so tell me, I, I'm curious. So I always find political views interesting to me, and, and we're not trying to get into like a. a you know, right. political debate or nothing here, folks. If you have your opinion, you know what? Opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one and all of them stink. So <laughs> save it. I'm just always curious, especially when somebody says, hey, I wrote a book that didn't slant one way or another. Like, how were you able to, to create a book and talk about those ways but not slant it one direction or another? I mean, there is a section in the book that says – we the people's voice. And because I'm a member of we the people, I have a voice in it too. So I did put forth some of my own ideas. And what's we the people? How I feel. What's, hmm? we, what's we the people? It's the title of the book and it's referring to the, okay. the being three words of the preamble of the constitution. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, I thought it was like another organization or something. Mm -mm. It's the title of the book. We the people are question mark defining and exploring who we are as a, a people society and a nation. Another long title. Yes, I know. Um, <laughs> and look at that. The title's its own book. <laughs> um, so, but I stuck to more of, I was using this to educate and inform and share the importance of understanding our country and what it was supposed to be in our system of government. Agree, disagree, don't really care. But as of now, until they change it, it is what it is. And you need to, meaning people need to understand that especially if they want to be a member of we, the people and actually contribute. Interesting. So here's always the question I ask when that, do you get into the fact that it's a Masonic country? Do you get into that? Well, I was focused on understanding what we, the people do, the role of it, the definition of it, how it was ratified. And the fact that it was we, the people that ratified it, which means it really is a government of we, the people, because we're the ones that approved it which a lot of people don't understand probably. And just the ins and outs of the different parts of that and some issues that we, um, that relate to that. And it, I'm always in first going to be come from a constitutional standpoint. So I, I'm getting picked on. Cause I said, poli sci is always the jock degree in every movie. Everybody's like, <laughs> you know, that, yes, it, jocks don't go to class. The, the books could hurt, could hurt their sports hands. Yes, they could Keith. Um, and, and my buddy, Tom says it's only in movies, Sean. Yes, I know it's only in movies, but it's every movie does that. It's like the poli sci degree. So I was just double checking. She said she likes basketball. She could have been playing basketball. This I did fourth through eighth grade, and then I had to give it up because um speech tournaments and basketball games are on the same day, and I couldn't be in two places at once. So I strictly stayed focused on speech and drama the rest of my so high school cool. endeavors and career. Favorite play you did? Uh, probably the miracle worker when I was in ninth grade because I got to be the young Helen Keller. So I thought that was kind of appropriate considering. Like, like there's a whole thing to unbox right there. Like <laughs> that's a whole thing that somebody said, Hey, can we get the visually impaired girl to play Helen Keller? I like, did. At, at, no point, at no point was it like, well, great. This is awesome. I get to play a, a leading role in this play, or was it like really, like really, like? No, it didn't bother me at all. It made sense. I 
often have respected her and thought much of her life. Now, granted, she had it worse than me because she was death and blind, but right. still, I relate to the character and but, the person's life. Well, I always, Helen Keller is an, an amazing story. Anyone who doesn't understand, we've all, like, you made it probably, like, maybe it's a generational thing to make a Helen Keller joke. I don't know. But, you know, somebody has made that joke, and then you turn around and you're like, did you understand what this young girl was able to do? You know, yeah. this is like she figured out how to unlock her own internal voice when no one could. And well, if I crazy. remember correctly, Ann Sullivan, her instructor had a large piece to that because the way I understood the story, and like I said, that was ninth grade. So it's been a long time since I looked at it. No one could really figure out what to do with her until she got cross paths with Ann Sullivan. And that kind of was the game changer for her. If I remember correctly. Well, well her form of sign, it, it's all in the palm of the hand, isn't it? Yes. Because that allowed her to feel the movement on her hand when she couldn't hear or see. It's it's impressive. It's one of those kind of things like take a moment and, and you realize. And some people are like, oh, well, that's great. Helen Keller. No, folks, guess what? There's no. people still dealing with that. Like I've, watched, like I've watched a few things where they still teach that. There's still people who deal with this. And, and now at an early and young age, they're able to teach them their voice. Yes. Very impressive. So. And it really just goes to the human spirit and the idea of once the mind is set on something and determined and persistent, you can do whatever the crap you want. Yeah, there's no no holding it back at that point. Yep. And, and you're proof of that. Like, <clears throat> Michaela, I'm so impressed by you. I have Thank to tell you. you I, I really have to because let's be honest with ourselves. You know, you could have very easily been that type of person to say, oh, woe is me. This is the, my lot in life. I, I'm not going to do anything. This has happened. Oh, well. And your family could have let you do that also. Let, let's be yeah, honest. But I wasn't raised that way and we didn't play that card. That And that's what I was about to say. Your family could have let you been that person to say, oh, well, was you. Look, look, leave leave my little girl alone. She's got this problem, this issue. Um, so hopefully you high five your mom. <laughs> you know, because that's a really, you know, as a parent, you never want your kids, you know, to fail. And you, it sounds like your support system is amazing. Like, I, I'm very impressed by your support system, except yeah, whoever that is to your left that, that trying to tell me about crazy animals at, in Louisiana. I don't know what the hell that shit is about. <laughs> crazy Louis. Next thing you know, he's he going to be talking about what's the Yetis or uh, what's the other one? The, uh, you know, who day? Who day? Oh, my God. Saints game. Yeah, and we don't. I don't do the Saints. I am not from the state, and I don't support them. And I get in trouble for around here because I either go for the Cowboys, Falcons, or Patriots, and I don't care. <laughs> well, I mean, born and raised in South Louisiana, and I don't support uh, any Louisiana team. I mean, I guess I can, I, go with, I can go with the the Saints, and they have a hell of a quarterback right now. That's a whole nother show, though. So, where can we find? I thought he wasn't as good as Drew Brees, according He's to most people. Near Drew Brees, his famous Jameis Winston, is the reason why we lost. For, uh, <laughs> Four seasons straight in Tampa Bay. That's why we gave him the freaking ain'ts because they ain't gonna do jack squat with him either. Like you can hear that Louisiana accent at any. <laughs> but I bet you he boils his seafood, doesn't he? God, God. Sometimes I don't oh, know. I don't there's know. only one way to eat seafood. It's steamed. Negative, no, sir. fried. Fried oh. all the way. Listen oh, to me. This is a whole nother show. Uh, cool oh, whole nother show. There Tim's is nothing like good southern fried catfish. I'm listen, sorry. And you can't get it up north. It tastes like crap. Listen to me. I grew up in Baltimore. We steam all of our <laughs> seafood. Everything is steamed. Do you know how much it hurts my soul when I watch when somebody puts uh, fried shrimp in front of me? I oh, just, I love fried shrimp. That's the only oh, way I'll eat it. <laughs> oh, God. You've never had good steamed shrimp with... Uh, I got a culinary arts degree, and I still refuse oh. to steam uh, seafood. Oh, well, we, one day if I ever make it down there to uh, down that way again, actually, there's a group I follow on Facebook, uh, Southern Boys, and yep. I actually he he posted, he posted something about uh, boiling boiling crabs, and I was like steamed. That thing got like blew up. Just that line, I was like, oh, crab. and people were like, I boil them. I'm like, then you don't, and you eat mushy crabs. Mushy, uh, no steaming crabs saves all the flavor. Oh, I've got like an oh god, I'll send you the recipe, it'll change your life. You know, okay. next thing you know, you'll be a Baltimore Ravens fan. 
You'll be loving life. It's going to be a negative, sir. Well, no, no, no. Okay, does what's his name still play for the Ravens from Blindside? That would be the only reason because I like him. No, oh, you're talking about uh, not Orlando, uh, not Orlando well, Brown, Michael Orr, or whatever his name or, is. Eight, Michael Orr, uh, transferred or yeah, got okay. traded about two or three seasons ago, was an amazing, amazing player. We just yeah, had uh, Benny yeah, Anderson because he did play for the Ravens, right? Yes, Absolutely. That's what I thought. Uh, <laughs> look. <laughs> Keith says we don't all di dive in and eat them out of the pond in like Louisiana. Yeah, he's from Kentucky. He's he's <laughs> drunk on bourbon right now. Don't worry about it. He's he's, eat, he's eating leftover horse in the Derby. Uh, so let's talk about because before we before your 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 interview gets hijacked here, Michaela, and I want everybody to know about Michaela thirty eight triple D a journey of much tribulation and thriving in all things. Where can we find these books? Um, all on Amazon, and I have my own website. And what is that website? Myheartfeltmeditations.com. And it's and it's all just like that one word, myheartfeltmeditations.com. Mm -hmm. So all the books are in there. Does that bring you over to Amazon or or what? Uh, it can. Like, there's a book section, and there's a link to. When you look at each book, there's a link to the Amazon, and then um. At the top of my website, you have all of my social medias, including my what's called on Amazon Author Central page, and it'll take you to that. And I know your Instagram is uh, now I see seven seven nine. Now I see seven seven nine. Everybody that's on here listening, all my listeners, take a moment, go follow follow Michaela's Instagram page, blow it up for the day. Um, now I see seven seven nine. So make sure we do that. Go out and purchase one of her books. Uh, go on to Amazon. Have you done the Audible thing? Where um, Not yet, but I am working on that because that's very important to me because that's basically <laughs> since fifth grade how I've done everything to include grad school. Right. So I find great value in it, but it's just a matter of it's more of an investment and I have to find the people to do it. But I am working on that because I want every book that I ever do to be on Audible. There's now, much value in that. Now, somebody I, I recently, uh, one of my recent guests, God, I'm having a brain fart right now. He has a book called Slime Girl, and it's it's a really neat story. But what he did was he actually had – I guess you can put a chapter of your book onto Audible, and people will read it, and you can pick the person to be your reader. Oh, okay. I'll have to look into that. Yeah, I, I'm not sure how it works. I'd be fibbing yeah, to you yeah. if I told you. I knew how it works. But, you know, they. this is what he said is he, he – you put a chapter on there. People are able to read through it, and you pick the person you want to be your uh, your person reading your books. Who knows? You could find the person that reads all your books. Yeah. If you want, I I can read your books like this and say, look here, we could read every single one of these. <laughs> okay. So, uh, let's see. Tim says, uh, if you do an audible book, uh, please have. <laughs> Because I told you, you read so you you talk so fast. Tim said, if you do an audible book, you got to slow down, or you'll get the whole book done in five minutes. <laughs> I won't be doing it because it would take me a really long time, even though I wrote them, to actually sit through and read them. Because this is why I had readers and did everything on Audible and, and high uh, from fifth grade on, whether it was elementary or middle school or high school or college or grad school, because of the optic nerve and what that actually means is when your optic nerve is not the right color, like mine is not, and not the right shape which for most people that are normal, visually, your color of your optic nerve is um, purple. Mine's the color of a manila folder, which basically means the blood is not able to go through in the way it should. So therefore, it doesn't process what's supposed to be sent to the brain that tells your eyes what to perceive. So it takes me a really long time. So as much as I would love to be an avid reader, I can't do it physically. I have to do it audibly. So it takes me on a good day, which is depending on all the different environmental factors, I might get two or three pages read in 30 minutes. That's it. If you had to physically read it. Yeah. So that's why I won't be recording the books because they would never get done. <laughs> so, because so, we're getting ready, we're going to put a bow on this. We're going to pull the lights on the bar here for a moment. But uh, Tim brought up one of my favorite words to ask people to say. What do you call the first five to six years of school? It begins with an E. What do you call that? Elementary school. Or if you're from other. Or if you're other places, some people call it grammar school, but I've always called it elementary. Elementary, grammar. Do you know what they call it up here in Albany? <laughs> elementary school. 
Elementary. All right, Ian. And somebody told me I was a liar. So I called my kids, uh, my kids elementary school and I played the audible for it. And it said, welcome to blank, blank, blank elementary school. Okay. And I was like, this is the school saying it. Yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. Get wrong. See, look, Keith, elementary. I don't know how they do it. So one more time, uh, cause we're getting ready. We're going to put a bow on this thing here, folks. Uh, where, and this is the latest book that you can find is now I see by Michaela S. Cox. So make sure you get out there and, and look up. Now I see it's on uh, Amazon books. It's easy to find. If you're following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, I've been posting that cover all week long so that everyone can take a look at it. Um, make sure you go out and take a look at it. One more time. Your website is uh, my heartfelt meditations.com. My heartfelt meditations.com. Nothing. No strange lettering. No, nothing. It's nope. straight up. My heartfelt meditations.com. You got it. So make sure we all get on there. Get yourself a copy of one of Michaela's books, one of her 70,000 books that she's already written. I couldn't, I have a book that I started writing and I've talked to a couple of writers. And I'm like, I have the whole story done in my head. I need to tell it to somebody so they can write it for me. Actually a trick of the trade. It doesn't work for me because it's not how my brain works. Cause I actually need to be in the process of writing it or typing out and thinking it through the program that I learned how to do all this through self-publishing.school, a lot of them will speak it. Like there's like all these recording programs and they'll speak it and it goes quicker and then they'll transcribe it. And it's like a word doc or a Google doc or whatever. So just FYI, you could do it that way. I may, I may need that. Cause like I have this whole, I actually have a three book series, sci-fi book. Nice. Series, cause I, cause I, in my head, that's all completely based. And one of them is about Chupacabra. Uh, yeah, okay. It's a whole thing. But cool. uh, so we can all find you. On your site, on yes. Amazon. Yes. Uh, soon, uh, we're going to get the smooth, silky sounds of Keith's voice from Kentucky to, <laughs> read, to read your book. We got to get Keith at least a chapter to read it and then put it out there just because it'll be entertaining no matter what it is. You should have Keith read your first book, the uh, poetry. That'll be amazing. <laughs> that would just be so great. Uh, we, we know that the Instagram is now I see 779. What else? Uh, what other places can they find you? I'm on Facebook. Um, I have a personal profile, but I also have like a writing page. And I forget. I think it's Heartfelt Meditations. It is Heartfelt Meditations. Yep. Uh, and Tim just said, Michaela was lovely. Well, thank you. Um, so <laughs> any other places, any upcoming events? Do you go like do book signings, anything coming up like that that somebody might be able to find you? No, not really. COVID's kind of changed that. And a lot of people are doing a lot of kind of what we're doing now. This has become the new, what people would say, book tour. You're doing it through podcasting. Maybe as the world opens up, depending on where you're at, people might go back to actually like brick and mortar physical book signings. But COVID really changed a lot of that and a lot of, for a lot of reasons. So that kind of was a, kind of put a wrench in everything for some reason. There's no denying that one. It absolutely has. So Michaela, you are a wonderful person and i thank, thank you for following up to the bar with us now i did forget to tell you when we're done here don't go anywhere I gotta okay. talk to you for a minute don't go nowhere nope i'll we'll stay talk, we'll talk for a moment uh as always folks if you're enjoying this make sure you take your phone go onto your podcasting app whether it be apple whether it be spotify whatever you're on and make sure that you're subscribing take your neighbor's phone take a random person's phone on the bus or the train or whatever Thing you're on and take their device and go on there and if they don't have a podcast app download it onto their phone and then make them like it and make them put five stars they'll love you for it it's everybody appreciates when you just take things out of their hand uh <laughs> just steal the shit right out and be like give me your phone when this is over with i'm gonna harass kayla until she puts it on her phone uh and it's all audible so you don't have to read nothing and you exactly and there's 70 some of them now we're like 70 some episodes nice. That's amazing, um, especially since you, I figured you'd been doing it way longer. So that's incredible the way you've just been cranking them out. Yeah, well, it's a whole. It's because I have a whole. See, your thing with the writing <laughs> is my thing with running my face. Okay. I have to talk to people. Yeah, I, I do too. I'm not good in a quiet room. I'm no, me neither. That's why I have no problem speaking to you and other people. <laughs> that's it. I, I'm the same. We were at a fa like 
sidebar, we're at a family gathering over the weekend and this wonderful young lady was sitting there and she hadn't talked to anyone. And it drove me bonkers until I walked up to her and I went, hey, don't be so chatty. And she just started laughing and we started a conversation. Right. She just needed someone to talk to her. Exactly. I'm like, don't be so chatty. She's like, ha, ha, ha. I'm like, let's talk. We're I tell people, like, just tell me when to shut up because I could go on and on and on and on forever. <laughs> I'm, I am exactly the same way. So as always, folks, uh, make sure you, you go ahead and do that. Take all your neighbor's phones. Make them listen to us. We can always be found on Instagram at the Above the Bar Podcast. Our Twitter at Above the Bar Four. Our Facebook is the Above the Bar Podcast. I know Michaela is going to go right now and be like, "I'm <clears throat> sharing it to everyone." And then if you've got that sticker in a cause, send me an email at the Above the Bar Podcast. Now, as I always, always have to do there, Miss Michaela, as the guest, you get the last word. What is the last word as we close the bar? Life is a choice. You either get to def it defines you or you get to define it for yourself and you need to live your best life because you get one and go forth and thrive. Alrighty, folks, be sure to push your stool in. This has been an earplug podcast presentation found on earplugpodcast.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and wherever your favorite podcasts are found.